I'm Sriram, and I'm the founder of Shop and Tell. And you're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp, and this is the show where we bring you uh, founders, co-founders uh, that are doing uh, exceptionally uh, smart things that we can learn from. And it goes around the world. And uh, today is the turn of uh, an awesome co-founder. Her name is Catherine Spence, and we're here to talk about Pomelo. Uh, P-O-M-E-L-L-O, Pomelo. Uh, they are mapping uh, your organization culture. So they're doing uh, a lot of stuff with web apps and they're even thinking about the mobile-friendly add-ons as well. Um, Catherine, I have to welcome you to the App Guy podcast. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Paul. So you are the co-founder of Pomelo. Perhaps you can give us a little uh, insight into uh, how you're helping uh, companies through uh, mapping the culture, as you say, on your website. Sure. So what Pomelo does is um, we measure company culture. We do this on a team-by-team basis within a company. And then we help that company um, manage their company culture and, and most importantly, identify job candidates who fit within the culture. And our goal here is really to deliver value, not just to companies, but also to job candidates. We believe that um, the most important thing in defining the success of a potential employee is actually if they share the values. Um, We think skills can be learned, um, but values are innate. So are you going to give us some guidance on how we can actually game the system? <laughs> so. uh, no, it would be very, very difficult. I think I, even I would find it dis- difficult and I, I designed the algorithm. So um, that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, this is really important because I uh, did work for a large corporation. It was in finance and I, I couldn't believe just how important the culture was to this organization. You know, they believed that was everything. They, it's an investment bank. And uh, I, it just nowadays, I think companies are waking up to how important culture is at retaining employees. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. So there's um, been kind of a, a shift in um, the way companies are thinking about company culture. I think it used to be considered this sort of touchy-feely, nice-to-have that some companies pursued because um, it was quirky and it added to their brand. But now I I think there's a broader recognition that company culture is actually essential to your strategy, um, and it's one of your only sustainable competitive advantages. And by that, I mean, um, you know, somebody can always come in and try and eat your breakfast um, with regard to your product, your pricing, um, but your ability to attract talent and great talent is really a function of how well you've managed your company culture. And, And that's something that people, you know, your competitors really can't take away from you. Yeah, actually thinking back on a lot of the guests, the really successful startup founders that we've had on this show, and many of them have gone through large organizations, you know, the likes of Google and Microsoft, they have exceptionally good cultures. And even though they have those cultures, they still are attracted to the startup space for some reason. They say it's because of freedom, entrepreneurial spirit, 
you know, a lot of these uh, our, uh, founders are working in small offices and with other companies in the same office. And, and just that whole vibe of the startup community is it, how can companies compete with that whole c- culture of working for startups? You know, I, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to try and and sort of keep employees from who, who have that urge to go and do something wildly irrational, like start a company um, from doing that. You, you never know. First of all, they might come back at some point in their life um, and probably with a lot more um, skills and experience and, and wisdom. Um, but I, you know, I think that fundamentally a large company versus a startup, they're offering different experiences and, um, and those differences, you know, there are people who are custom built for starting their own company and, you know, they probably wouldn't do very well in a big company culture anyway. Um, even if it is a great culture in and of itself, it's just, it might, it's not the right fit. Um, so I think, you know, the culture of, of people who, found startups, you know, there's just as much diversity in the cultures that you see at different startups, but you probably find one consistent theme, which is that people want to build their own culture. Yeah, I'm trying to think um, of like, uh, Catherine, I was wondering about your clients. And I'm guessing that they are mostly, you know, steady uh, Forbes 500, the, the, uh, the you know, like big blue chip companies. Is, is that right? Yeah, so we actually have a variety, um, I would say. Um, We do, um, a lot of our customers are those large corporations, um, and uh, and it's certainly something that they think about a lot. Um, But we also have a fair number of what I would call fast-growing startups. And um, the reason why we tend to get a lot of interest from fast-growing startups is, you know, they've, they've done very well. Uh, usually up and you know up until their maybe their series A series B they've been you know hitting all their milestones and they're just about to grow in terms of headcount really fast and the thing that's scary for a company in that particular moment in time is that they recognize that some of the magic that they've had is because of their culture and they really don't want to dilute it and they're extremely cautious about about kind of destabilizing their culture, which has been so much a part of their success. So we do actually have a fair number of of smaller companies that that are hiring a, a lot of people, sort of, you know, maybe doubling in size, for example, um, over the course of a year. And, and they're also very uh, strong customers of ours. Actually, I'm going to have to think of all those conversations I've had m- with my wife because she's in uh, global recruitment. And she's saying that now a lot of these conferences that she'll go to, uh, there'll be the likes of Uber there and uh, all these like tech startups and and, and they're you know, desperately trying to catch up to the game. And uh, what sort of advice and guidance do you think you have for anyone who wants to join like, you know, like a, a young Uber type of startup, uh, you know, is there a certain sort of similar culture that you could pre- predict that would be, um, you know, something to, to monitor and watch out for? So I think um, one thing that I would say um, is a, a characteristic shared by many startups is a very strong emphasis on adaptability. And when I say adaptability, I'm talking about working in a fast-moving environment that's built around experimentation. Um, 
you're oftentimes moving faster than you might be comfortable um, in terms of, of producing a finished product. Nothing is ever finished. Um, nothing is ever perfect. Um, you're really in a test, learn, iterate kind of environment. So if that's something that appeals to you, um, it can be a great fit. Uh, it, it's the kind of place where you're really, you know, you have live ammo. So if you have an idea and you want to run with it, startup companies are fantastic for that. Now, you've got uh, currently a, a web app and uh, I'm wondering uh, what what sort of is going, what, what work is in place to start the mobile app, uh, native app, um, you know, you sort of mentioned in our pre-chat about the add-ons. Uh, what uh, have you got coming up that uh, is regards to the mobile native apps? Sure. So, you know, when there's there sort of a, a in, in our business, what we're doing is we're providing analytics to our users um, and uh, and those analytics will likely continue to live on desktop um, web apps. Um, but one of the things that we are looking at is the tools that we have to gather that data. So things like our surveys um, and building out survey modules that can be taken um, on a mobile phone um, when people are on the go. Um, we're thinking about building out sort of an interview guide and feedback tool. And, you know, when you go into an interview, you don't necessarily walk in lugging a, a big, you know, laptop. You might just be in there with your mobile phone and, you know, a copy of the person's resume. Um, but you want to take down some some notes. You want to give some feedback. And you want to do that very easily um, coming out of that meeting. Because, I mean, as we all know, you end up in meetings most of your day. So, you know, you run from one interview and then it's the you know, the next meeting. Um, and it can be hard to remember to, um, to translate any handwritten notes that you have into um, electronic format. And so what we're doing is trying to kind of close those gaps and build mobile tools um, that will make it easier for people who are involved in the hiring process to, um, to, uh, to execute on it well while also still doing their jobs. Yeah, because I was almost thinking Google Analytics as well. That's only just recently appeared as a mobile app uh, on the iPhone, and uh, it's taken them a long time, you know, to to actually do that. So, but 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 you know, it just shows that people do want to get analytics, I guess, on on uh, smartphones. Uh, but I just have to say as well, you know, it's an exciting time to be in recruiting because you you must have like this potential wave of innovation. For example, are you seeing the the potential of video resumes and video job descriptions. Yeah, so we've definitely, um, we've seen a lot of that from companies in our space. And I think there's sort of two goals um, for any any company attacking recruiting right now. And you're ideally trying to address both of them. One is the efficiency of the process, so making it faster and cheaper for companies to find hire and screen the best candidates. Um, and then efficacy is really about, you know, are you really making sure the outcomes are good? And we, we attack both of those things. Um, but video resumes, um, different kind of creative ways to do like work samples, um, are also, um, you know, there's some really interesting technology coming out in that space. And for those of the apps to tribe listening to this right now uh, do you have any guidance on 
personal branding because we're living in a digital age and you know if you're looking to get a job with a, a startup or even a, a corporate then you, you do need some element of presence on the web what um, tips do you have for us about personal branding on uh, in digital space so i you know super interesting question and i'm a great person to ask about this because i was non-existent as having any kind of personal brand online for a very long time and i've just started to dip my toes in the water and get comfortable with that. Um, you know, I worked in finance before and there really wasn't a need. It was kind of a, um, you know, it was a little bit of an old school type industry. Um, and my particular role as an investment strategist didn't require that I, that I, you know, have any kind of online presence, but uh, who, who now, are you working for? Cause I used to work in finance. Uh, I was working for Barclays Global Investors, and then for BlackRock, we were oh, bought by. Uh, yeah, uh, BlackRock, by BlackRock was amazing. I, I know BlackRock. I used to work for Wellington Management, and uh, oh, great! Yeah, it, I mean, it's a great company, um, but definitely, you know, the the particular role that I was in, you know, there was no need for me to be on Twitter or anything like that. I, I know um, it was almost like it was very old school. Uh, I remember having no uh, presence at all. I think maybe I had a Facebook account. Uh, not even that, I don't think. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, it doesn't, it, it hasn't really filtered into that space yet. Um, so now, you know, in my current role as a co-founder, you know, I use my personal Twitter account to, um, and as well as our company Twitter account, I use my Facebook page to communicate not just about about the things that are personally interesting to me, of course I do that, um, but also to talk about as a platform for talking about um, the things that I care about professionally. Um, so anything related to company culture, the science of culture, the way people are finding jobs. And, you know, I think it kind of, you, you kind of want to develop a little bit of a voice, a, a platform, some opinions about it. So um, whatever it is that you're, you're, whatever space you're kind of planning to go into, um, I think getting started talking about it um, on Twitter and engaging with other people who are interested in it is a very good way to test, you know, for yourself, um, you know, just how excited you are by it. Um, because you, you have to get out of the vacuum of your own head and you have to go and say, hey, what do you think about this idea that I have? Um, and you'll get responses from people who have been thinking about the same things and they'll say, oh, it's a great idea or oh, it's a terrible idea, um, but here's how I would make it better or I think you're onto something. And and um, and those exchanges are valuable not just because it builds up a history of, of who you are that people can look at and sort of say, oh, this person cares about this space a lot. Um, but it also, you, you get a lot of, um, you get a lot of expertise for free. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have to say that uh, Facebook, I'm really not um, doing very much with uh, in my business um, branding. And I've not really figured out a strategy for, for using Facebook. I don't really want to start accepting, you know, people on Facebook that are not really in my close circle. And, and so, and actually, when I think about a lot of the past guests, and I, I'm putting together their personal brands, it's mostly uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and then a lot uh, have their own domain name. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, Facebook, I think, it, you know, it's fairly easy to set up like a company page or a, a page that kind of represents your professional life. Um, and then you can kind of separate the personal and the professional because obviously, you, you know, uh, 
this is a personal decision for everyone. Some people are totally fine mixing it all together. So you've got pictures of your baby and you're posting articles. But um, if you do want to set up a page, I, I think it's a it's a good way to keep that separation there um, while also allowing you to have a presence. Yeah. Are you seeing, um, are you seeing like a, it's really difficult to get uh, any posts on your page, your uh, business page, to, uh, to actually the people that have liked that page because uh, the way Facebook clearly is making money now is they uh, will show that to maybe 1% of your uh, fans, your followers, the people that have liked it, and then request that you boost the post to get uh, the the message, uh, the status update in front of them. Yeah, we haven't experimented too much with boosting posts. Um, Partially, it depends on, I think, how much of a content-driven business you are. Um, You know, for us, we post content and, um, you know, we wouldn't necessarily pay to boost it. We might pay for an ad um, and see if we can drive conversion. So the ad would drive people to our site and see if we can get people to sign up. Um, But to be completely candid, we've actually done no advertising on Facebook to date, and we've only been advertising on LinkedIn. And that's partly because we're selling, um, you know, we're selling software to enterprises. um, And, you know, Facebook is a place where, you know, a lot of time spent on Facebook is usually personal time. And we're not totally certain. Um, We'll run a test on this at some point in the future, I'm sure. But we're not totally certain that people want to be, you know, barraged by an enterprise SaaS solution while they're on Facebook. Yeah, I'm thinking as well, the enterprise space is so much different to the consumer space as well. We do have a lot of people listening to the show who uh, have created apps for the consumer space. And so their personal branding, uh, I I guess, has to be more funky, more upbeat, perhaps, because you're you're, uh, selling you know, yourself as a, a personal brand. But when you're dealing with enterprise, do you have to be a little bit more corporate? I, I think so. I mean, I think it's, again, it's a choice. Um, it's sort of partially who you're selling to, um, uh, the types of companies, you know, as I said, we, we sell to a lot of very large companies. Um, and so, you know, our personal branding can't be too out there, um, as far as the, the, the company stuff that we do online. Um, but you know, when, when it comes to kind of what you, I would say, and I'm out of my depth here because I haven't marketed a consumer product, Um, but I imagine that Facebook would be a great vehicle um, for advertising um, content and getting you know, getting people to, to share things amongst, um, their specific network. So if you can find the people who are the biggest influencers in your space and then reach out to them specifically and see if you can, um, you can get some content flowing through those channels, I think it can be a really effective way. So Catherine, we have two things to do before we say goodbye. Now, typically I ask, uh, I ask about uh, a potential app idea, uh, that you may have? Yeah. So I have one that kind of spans the the business and kind of personal networking space. Um, and it relates to, I think, a lot of people who, who work for large corporations can relate to the experience of going to a really big conference um, in whatever space you work in. And it can just feel so overwhelming. You know, when you're really strategic about it, you know, you know exactly who you're supposed to contact um, and try and get in touch with. But, you know, you're in a convention center and there are 
thousands of people there? And how do you really go about attacking um, those goals that you have to network? So what I wanted to do and what I think would be really cool is for somebody to develop an app for conferences that allowed people to um, make connections specifically around a professional conference and then use geolocation to help people find each other at the conference. So you can say kind of like a LinkedIn invite, say, Hey, I, you know, you're going to this conference. Um, I am too. I'd love to meet at some point in person. Um, you know, if they accept the invite, then the idea would be, you'd be able to, um, kind of see where they are. Um, during the conference and then go find them or make an appointment and actually say, hey, like, let's meet at the buffet table and the coffee machine at 1030 when we're on a break. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's my idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea, especially I've used uh, Twitter in the past uh, whilst I'm at conferences and I can see people tweeting pictures of the presentations and uh, it's great, but that we need another app, you know, maybe even the use of uh, what we call iBeacons that uh, are uh, more specific with recognizing your location and then clever ways of uh, just helping connect, you know, do do some sort of icebreakers and uh, get, get you connected with uh, the relevant people. Um, because you're right, these, these conferences can be uh, overwhelming and... Uh, and trying to get it around the room and, and, and uh, work the room is, it could be, we need an app. So great idea. Uh, well, hopefully somebody listening will develop it and will tell me about it. So They, they will because you'll be the first customer. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely be the first customer. I will happily beta test that. Yeah. Uh, the, the only final thing we do is that this is uh, the App Guide podcast. So we do love talking about apps and uh, I know this could be quite challenging because you are on your phone, but uh, if you are able to remember one or two apps that you tend to use in your business or personal life that you could recommend to us, you know, maybe think of the, the apps that you feel that could be new to us. Sure. Um, so uh, one thing that a lot of businesses need to do um, at some point is to get really creative and very efficient at content marketing. And so the app that I use most heavily for that is called Buffer. And um, I hook it up to my Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn accounts um, that can be personal or professional. Um, so it can be linked to a company account or your personal account. And whenever I read an interesting article, you know, I'm just you know, I'm waiting for the bus or I'm waiting for my friend to meet me for coffee. Um, you know, people send you stuff all the time and it's great content that I want to share. So I put it in my buffer, um, queue and it gets basically shared periodically on all of those channels and I just have to do it once. Um, so that's the one that I use most heavily, um, for professional purposes. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think about personal apps that I think are pretty cool. Um, well, there's a couple coming out, um, that really interesting in the kind of chat personal recommendation space. Um, and by that, I mean, it's kind of like a combination of Yelp. So, you know, when you're like, oh, where should I go to dinner tonight? Um, and you might go on Yelp and look for the top rated restaurants. So the experience, um, you know, I, I know a couple companies that are that are attacking this right now. Um, one is called Luca, L-U-K-A. And it 
basically aggregates data at the city level and makes recommendations to you based on your past uh, your your past kind of likes and dislikes. So it learns from you. It's actually uh, artificial intelligence. Um, and uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, and it's kind of fun to, um, I think, if you're a tech person and you're interested in machine learning and artificial intelligence to actually interact with a robot. I love that idea. And I think, you know, this whole thing about just curating our life is extremely important, you know, just to have uh, our phones do it for us and just take away that burden of where the, where should we go <laughs> it's gonna be great yeah absolutely and it should feel personal and it's you know it, I, I I think it'll I think this this avenue of kind of personal recommendation and curation which is the, the perfect word for it um, you know will be a big thing in in the consumer world for a long time to come Great. Well, I'll make sure I put uh, links in the show notes uh, on my website. So if you're listening and you want to f- uh, find links to those, just go to episode 244 and look for Catherine Spence and you'll see uh, below there the apps that we're talking about. And also uh, your contact details, Catherine. Uh, you know, that does remind me how best can we reach out and connect with you? So you can find me on um any of my social profiles, so Twitter, um, uh, I guess LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm I'm all there. I think Pomelo is in each of those. So I think if you search Catherine Spence Pomelo, you should be able to find me. And then if you want to email me directly, um, I'm just Catherine at Pomelo.com. So great, I'd well, love to wonderful. hear from anyone. Yeah, well, thank you very much. What an inspirational episode. Thank you so much for going through and sharing, uh, you know, all your stuff that you're getting on with there at Pomelo. Uh, All the best with um, the development of mobile apps. If uh, you do need any help building those, we uh, are a community of app developers. We'd be happy to help you. And uh, in the meantime, thanks very much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Great. Thank you very much, Paul.